Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 18, which is the second half of our cocktails episode. Yes, at uh, this point, we're halfway into the episode. We're going to get further into drinks, and by this point in recording, we were further into drinks. So it's, <laughs> it's going to get interesting. Yeah, we were already a little tipsy at this point, and I'm sure we got sillier. We, we did. So uh, you are listening to A Good Drop. I'm Michael. And I'm Stuart. Cheers. Cheers. While I think about it, I, we should mention the other style of cocktail, or the other major style of cocktail, and that's the shooter. Yes, indeed. Yeah, now, a, a number of shooters do come up in, uh, for, for those of you who, who know your cocktails, you'd have noticed a number of shooters coming up in, uh, in the International Bartender Association competition standards. Yeah, well, what a shooter is, is a shot. It's a shot. Well, it's it's a, a, a cocktail shot. It's a thirty-three mil because it's usually they're slightly bigger than a than a shot glass. Mm, they're usually uh, one and a half ounces or forty-five mil shots. Yeah, and they're they're cocktails. They're a mixture of spirits, liqueurs, syrups, uh, juices. You name it, uh, just like a regular cocktail. Except yeah. not usually with ice. Yeah, just uh, very small and able to be knocked back quickly. That, mm. that, that doesn't mean that they don't have some really pleasant flavours. Yeah, they're but, just wasted because you knock them back. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's some that really thoroughly kick you in the teeth, like uh, an ABC, ABC shot. But we're, we're not Oof. talking about the, um, the classic ABC shot, which is uh, Amaretto, Baileys and Contro. No, we're talking about the bastardised uh, party scene teenager version of ABC's yes, which with, is uh, Absinthe, Bacardi 151 and Chartreuse. and Chartreuse and it is brutal I do not recommend yeah, one of those it, uh, it kicks like a mule and yeah. if you knock back a couple you well a third yeah. of uh, a third of uh, Absinthe is about a shot in itself yeah and Bacardi 151 is, is a shot in it a shot yeah it's because that's the proof on that stuff is, yeah, it's one hundred and fifty-one proof. Because mm, yeah. the, the ABC shot used to fall into the flaming shots category. Mm. Of course, in in Australia, flaming shots are no longer legal, unfortunately. And I, I think a Probably number of places have uh, have stopped doing them. Not not only Australia, because they're mm. really dangerous. Yeah, because alcohol tends to burn clear. Like after the majority has burned off. It the burns. remains burns clear, and you can't really see it. So you can think it's gone out. Yeah. And then you go and shut it, and you end up with fire all over your face. And I bet that burns a lot more than the alcohol it's, uh, itself does. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I I could guess that if you shut it without making any mess, the fire would just go out once mm. it was in your stomach, and you'd be right. But if you mess up even slightly, you've just set yourself ablaze. So it, it makes good sense. There's There's a warning, ladies and gents. Even if you're making these at home... Be really, really, really careful that, and make sure one hundred and ten percent that it's gone out. Yeah, if you're gonna set a shot on fire, don't just blow it out. 
put something over the top of it. Mm, like it, like your hand if you're quick. Yeah, just, like you'd put out a candle. Yeah, just make sure it's out. Mm. So back to shooters. They came out of the seventies where uh, people were focusing more on recreational drugs and moving away from alcohol. So the sales was sales were going down, and they and people were, you know, not not really that keen on living like their parents and drinking the hard liquors of the 50s and 60s in the cocktails. So uh, to, I guess, rebrand alcohol as more of a drug, they uh, the liquor companies started marketing shooters and getting the bartenders to market shooters because you could knock them back really, really easily. And, you know, you have two of those and suddenly five minutes later you're stumbling around not knowing who who's your mother. Yeah, you, you give it a, a catchy name. People want to buy it. People want to try it. Yeah. And instead of the buzz coming on slowly, like from drinking a normal drink, you slam a couple back and you feel fine and then out of nowhere, bang, bang, it hits you. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to try a cocktail or a shooter that's called Sex on the Beach? Well, yeah, I mean, sex on the beach sounds good, and it tastes good, too. Or a slippery nipple. Yes, indeed. And uh, <laughs> my uh, my personal favourite, I mean, uh, yeah, my, my personal all-time favourite shooter, and it's a hard one to find a recipe for, so I'll, uh, I'll tell you here, because it's a real simple one. Is, <laughs> it's a rusty um, nail, isn't is, it? It's the, that's not a shooter. Not oh. a shooter, my friend. It's, oh. a, it's a cocktail. Oh. But my favourite shooter... You, you make it a long drink, do you? Is... With ex- extra whiskey and... No, because it's, it's supposed to be served <laughs> in a in a whiskey glass. Oh. A, uh, Sorry, I'll let you finish. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's called the Jade Monkey. And it is banana liqueur and green creme de menthe. Mm. So it's a sort of uh, banana and mint flavour. Interesting. And because they're such strong flavours, even though you shot it, you still get a minty banana aftertaste. Yeah. So it's it's a very pleasant shooter to uh, to have. I, I learned that one back in my bar days. Oh, cool. Mm. That was like the uh, butterscotch schnapps we were drinking the other day. We uh, we mixed it with Frangelico and it didn't taste quite as sweet. Yeah. And uh, and then we had it straight and it was overpoweringly so. Yes, indeed. And yeah, I don't think you'd want banana liqueur or green creme de menthe by themselves. Mm. But together, they just work. Yeah. I'm going to have to try that one next time I'm at yours. Have you got those two? Um, I don't, but I, I should get them because it's, it's, it's a thing worth having. We're, we're recording this episode just before New Year's Eve, so tomorrow night's going to go off. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a big one. <laughs> Of course, you'll be listening to it way after, and uh, we hope you all had fun on New Year's. I bet you did all have fun on New Year's. I'm thinking positively. <laughs> yes. Yes, I, I'm sure everybody had uh, had a great time yeah. on New Year's and have in the recovery that followed. Yeah. Enjoy some fireworks. Have a couple of champagnes. Not too many of you driving. Uh, yeah, stay safe. Yes, indeed. And uh, back to cocktails. Back to cocktails. Back to cocktails. So, so Mickle, we're going to play a game. I want to play a game. Uh, I'm going to start describing a cocktail and its history, and when you recognize it, tell me 
what it is. Okay. So it's a 90s and early 2000s drink. Uh, there's a good chance it came out of one of two meccas of the gay culture, Miami Beach and Provincetown, Massachusetts. Uh, it never really left the gay subculture until it was introduced to the mainstream masses in the Odeon, one of the, the places to be. Uh, one of the places to be seen and hosted more than one uh, party by Saturday Night Live. Uh, it really, This drink really exploded when a, a hugely popular TV show made the drink the drink of choice for one of its main characters. This TV show was called Sex in the City. Ah, the Cosmopolitan. There we go. Talking about the Cosmopolitan. It's made with cranberry juice, uh, Cointreau, vodka, and... Why didn't I write this down? And lime, I believe. Mm, Why didn't you write that down? Now, the, the Cosmopolitan is actually one of the official IBA drinks... And uh, it is vodka, triple sec, cranberry triple juice, sec. and lime. Yeah, so I was yeah. right. <laughs> All right, uh, number two. Uh, it's not a not a common style of drink. It it's one of one of a a smaller category. It was conceived in 1949 by Gustave Tops, a Belgian bartender, uh, with its sister cocktail. Uh, it, the the drink was losing popularity until 1998 when the Big Lebowski came out, and ah, the White Russian. Yep, <laughs> yep, <laughs> and brought it roaring back into popularity. Yes, am I a man who knows drinks or a man who knows pop culture? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the its sister drink is the Black Russian. It is indeed, and we mentioned uh, both of those earlier on. Yeah. All right, we've talked about number three. We've talked about this drink before. It's uh, very similar to a drink called the Daisy, which was popular and it, pop, a brandy drink made popular just before Prohibition. Uh, and during the Prohibition, not as much brandy, with, not as much brandy was getting made, so they switched the main spirit to tequila. Uh, it is not a Mexican drink, and it is not consumed by the locals in Mexico. And in 1971, a frozen machine version of the drink was invented. Oh, we're talking mojitos? No. Margarita. Yes. Yes. Talking margaritas. And we've uh, we've also mentioned those. And, yeah. Uh, and their ingredients. That was in our tequila episode. Yes, indeed. Now, the uh, tequila, or margarita, is tequila, cointreau, and lime juice. So, this one, number four, was invented in Florence, Italy in 1919. The, The Count Camillo something... Asked his bartender friend to strengthen his favorite cocktail, the Americano, and replace the soda water with gin. So, this drink contains sweet vermouth, gin, Campari, and an orange garnish. Mm, um, 
I don't know. It's a Negroni. Oh, the Negroni. Hmm. And the last one, we've got the... I nearly said it. Uh, it was invented in 1941 and was popularized, popularized by John Martin, who traveled around America promoting Smirnoff vodka and a specialty coffee, copper mug, which became part of the part of the way the drink is served. Uh, he would uh, take two po- Polaroids every time he got to a new bar. He would take uh, take them with the bartender holding the Smirnoff drink, Smirnoff vodka and the copper mug. And then he would move on to the next town and use leave one of the Polaroids behind and uh, and take one of them with him to show the next bartender how popular this drink was becoming. Uh-huh, you'd be talking about the Moscow Mule. Correct. That's five for five. Fantastic. How did everyone playing along at home go? Did, did mm. you guess it before I did? Let us know. Send us an email at a good drop podcast. Oh, no. That's not it. A good drop at gmail.com. Yes, a good drop podcast, our Facebook page. Yes. Yes. Talk to us on Facebook at a good drop podcast. Yeah. And uh, shall, shall we talk more about the, uh, the top 10 most popular cocktails? Yeah, well, we've mentioned some of them already. We we have. Um, let's let's talk about uh, the Manhattan, mm. which um, I was surprised to see in the top ten at all. Like to, I, I knew it would be popular because it's a classic, but for it to appear it's in the still in the top ten after the all this 10. time, yeah, exactly. Because it's uh, it's thought to have originated in the Manhattan Club in New York in the early eighteen seventies, <laughs> and uh, where it's uh, supposedly it was created by a Dr. Ian Marshall for a banquet in honor of presidential candidate Samuel L. Tilda. Oh, sorry, Samuel J. Tilda. If it was Samuel L. Tilda, did it be... It's the motherfucking Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, the motherfucking Manhattan. <laughs> but uh, so supposedly the success of the banquet made the drink fashionable and uh, prompted people who were requesting the drink in other bars to refer to it by the name of the club where it originated, the, the, the Manhattan, Manhattan Club. Huh. And uh, it's made using rye whiskey, sweet red vermouth, and uh, Agostura bitters, and uh, garnished with a maraschino cherry. Ooh. The, I think we're going to have to go to a bar one time and just have one of each on the of top ten. the top 10. ten, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think we do, because I'll, I'll admit, you listen to what's in these top ten drinks, like the Manhattan. And they sound really nice. It does sound really nice. Like, it's, yeah, it's old, and it's old-fashioned. But sometimes literally, sometimes literally, but God, it sounds good. Mm. Like, I mean, rye whiskey, sweet red vermouth, and the Agostura bitters to balance out that sweetness. And just, yeah, it really sounds like something that should be very pleasant across the palate. And yeah. uh, do, do we want to talk about the dry martini? Yeah, because James Bond has made the martini popular. Well, Potentially made the martini popular, but he doesn't have a traditional dry martini. Yeah, he he has a vodka martini, which and that uh, is supposed to be stirred. No, uh, it's supposed shaken. to be shaken. Yeah, which is where it's it's kind of funny that he always says vodka martini shaken, not stirred, <laughs> because that's how it should be made. If the bartender knows what they're doing, they will shake a vodka martini. They'll shake it anyway. It's the uh, 
gin martinis and dry martinis that that are stirred that are stirred normally. Yeah. But maybe he wasn't expecting it to be made with vodka, so that's why he asked for it shaken. Mm, perhaps. Yeah, and uh, so apparently um, the the dry martini is uh, thought to have gotten its name from um, an Italian vermouth maker who started marketing their product under the brand name Martini in 1863. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, another popular theory is that it evolved from a cocktail called the Martinez, which uh, was also popular in the early 1860s and uh, just became the modern-day Martini. But the the Martini is very simple. Like the, The dry Martini is just dry gin, Dry vermouth and garnished with an olive for a dirty dry martini mm. or a lemon twist. And some people even butcher it with a bit of olive juice, the uh, vinegar out of the olive bottle. Oh, why? Why would you? That's why I said butchered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... I, I've had a few martinis before. It's not my cup of tea, but my dad loves them. He he could drink them like they're going out of fashion. Well, I, th- I thought they were, but apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> no, apparently not. Another, yeah, the other one that surprised me was old-fashioned. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier. Yeah, I, I did not see that coming. And that is uh, whiskey. Uh, what else is in it? The Angostura bitters, yeah. uh, a sugar cube, and a few dashes of water. Hmm. Yeah, we, we oh, have, yeah, I mentioned we, that. We mentioned it, yeah. But um, the, the Sazerac, Sa- Sazerac was uh, a bit of a surprise to, hmm. to me had, as well. I but, hadn't heard of that one before. Yeah, but uh, you look at what's in it, and that it seems makes perfect like sense. it's a brutal concoction. Hmm. It's something you would, I, I would try it. It's... Um, it's it's a New Orleans variation of a cognac or whiskey cocktail, and it's named for the uh, Sazerac de Forget Fills brand of cognac, upon Ooh. which it was originally made. Right, and um, it, it's thought to have first been made uh, around the 1850s, and um, it contains cognac, absinthe, a sugar cube. You know, it's deadly when it's got absinthe. When it's got in absinthe it. in it, yeah, and uh, two dashes of. Uh, Peshard's bitters and it's garnished with lemon peel. So that's, I'm going to pass on that one. That's a heck of a flavour. Yeah. And cognac and absinthe mm. and sugar to balance out the absinthe. That's that's necessary. And then uh, bitters and lemon peel. Yeah. So you've got sour, you've got bitter, you've got sweet. You've got aniseed. Yeah, that's <laughs> basically It's probably every... like a, a dash of absinthe. That's about all you need mm. for flavoring. Yeah, I, I believe the ratio is uh, five is to one. Yeah, that makes sense. For cognac to absinthe. That makes sense to me. I wouldn't have it any stronger than that. The uh, flavor of the absinthe is too powerful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you wouldn't need it any stronger than that because absinthe is about five times stronger than cognac anyway. Oh, I don't think it's quite well, not that five bad. times, but it's... it's twice. It's twice at least, yeah. yeah. It's I think five times enough. is about 120%. <laughs> Don't that exists. Maybe 130%. That, I'm sure that's out there. Yeah, we just bend science, like twist science in the physics of space and time to our will to yeah, produce that's, that's 130% proof. No, 130% alcohol by volume. 
Surely that's what al- I mean. Alcohol bends the fabric of time and space once you've consumed it. <laughs> once, you, <laughs> once, you've once you've consumed you, enough. Yes. Once you've consumed enough, the yeah. fabric of time and space bends around you. Yeah, you seem to skip forward in time. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and uh, while we're talking about cocktails, let, let's talk briefly about uh, what can happen when you drink too many too quickly Ooh. and suddenly find yourself going from sober to sloshed. Yeah. Th- this is when the emergency coffee comes into a, it comes in handy. Yes, indeed. The, the emergency coffee, handy stuff. But um, if you suddenly find yourself being uh, blackout drunk, well, let's not say blackout drunk, but certainly... There's, you can hit a level very quickly with uh, with shooters mm. where you mm, no that, longer have functional long-term memory. That was the point. Mm, that, that was the point. Mm. But, uh, but that's, that's what it can do, though. It basically shuts your long-term memory down. And people who have had too much, and I suppose this is where blackout drunk comes from because the long-term memory is not functioning. No, it's, not anymore. Yeah, it's not recording and it's not accessible. So you just lose that time. And if anyone talks to you about anything that happened more than five minutes ago, you have no idea. So if you're ever talking to anybody and you think they may be too drunk and you want a reason to cut them off, talk to them about something, wait five minutes, talk to them about that something again. And if they know you already talked to them about it, Hmm. they're not that drunk. Interesting. I was wondering how you'd be able to tell if people were blackout drunk or not, because sometimes you just can't. It's just so like some people I've I've met have looked like they were sober. Yeah, some very high functioning drunks. Yeah, they'll yeah. they'll get to blackout drunk level, and they don't even slow their words. Exactly, which, it, which is scary because then you can get into rape territory because someone who's that drunk can't consent. Yeah, it's it's quite, um, yeah, quite a dangerous state to be in. But if you can, if you can tell, which yeah, you can by, by throwing them a, a tricky thing like giving them a piece of information, yeah, and then referring back to it several minutes down the track. Yeah, I'm gonna try that next time. I'm unsure. Although, how do you know if someone's blackout drunk or not? Yeah, well, you do that. <laughs> but I mean, how do you know if someone's even approaching that kind of that stage of drunkenness? Yeah, well, I mean, that's the trick. You you have to pick up things like slurring and slurring or not remembering something you just talked about. Mm. Right. It is tricky, and ideally, you shouldn't have to watch for it because people shouldn't be drinking that much. No, like at, drink- at a good drop, we're all about drinking responsibly and drinking wisely. Yes, and drinking in moderation and knowing that, you know, you can have a shooter or two hmm. and then you just need to have some orange juice or some water or something. Pace yourself. Remember that... And even if you choose not to pace yourself, which we don't agree with, drink water anyway. Because Yeah, save yourself the hangover. Yeah, for sure. Uh, oh, another Stu's tip for avoiding hangover, hangovers in the morning is have a multivitamin before you go to bed. Yeah, those are pretty fantastic. And um, also uh, sports drinks. Mm, they're good too. Because the, the biggest component in your hangover, 
the biggest two components in your hangover. One is lack of water in your system because alcohol makes you pee it all out. Mm. And the other one is low blood sugar. Yeah, and sports drinks make up both. They hydrate mm. you and they're loaded with sugar. Absolutely. And the multivitamin really helps with the uh, loss of vitamins that you've had the night before because you're peeing everything out. Yeah, that. And uh, alcohol is a dehydrating agent in and of itself. Mm. So as well as uh, losing a lot of fluids through urination, you lose fluids just because alcohol dehydrates you. Yeah. And, I don't know, a lot of people sweat it out too. Yeah, that that as well. Mm. Yeah, Espe- so. Especially in this warmer weather like we're in. It was damn hot today. Oh, it, it was. For, for those of you in, uh, in the States where it's uh, snowing, in Canada where it's really snowing, or... Uh, <laughs> Or England, where it's probably snowing too. And potentially uh, drizzling lightly. Mm. It was about 75% humidity and 35 degrees Celsius today. Yeah, which is about 90, 95 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, it it was not a hot day, but it was a very humid, very... very, Because if if it's hot, we're talking 40 degrees plus for a truly hot Australian day in Queensland. But, but for a, it was very warm, and the humidity is what kills you. Mm. It re- it really is, and what what's nice is that uh, most Queensland houses have been designed with this in mind, so they've got fantastic airflow. Yes, indeed. So um, you, it re- really cuts down on your power consumption. If yeah, you, if you choose not to use your air conditioner. Yes. Yeah, and of course you can. Um, Use fans to uh, improve upon the airflow. Because mm. like, it's still not going to consume as much power as an a- as AC. No way. I think they use about one one or two cents an hour for a, for a fan. Yeah, standard that. ceiling fan, pedestal fan. They, they use very Stuff little. all. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. But uh, we are a podcast about alcohol. So <laughs> not architecture. Not, archi- not architecture, not, uh, not airflow, not the weather. Not thermodynamics. Not thermodynamics. I can't even pronounce that word mm, today. Though thermodynamics does come into some, some beverages. Mm, like some of the flaming ones. Like some of the flaming ones, mm. exactly. Have you had a flaming cocktail before? Um, I believe I have once many years ago, back before they outlawed flaming cocktails. Ah, I, nev- I never had one at a bar. I ha- I've had one at house parties, though. Oh, that feels so risky to me. <laughs> having, having a flaming cocktail at a house party. Well, you're probably right. But, you know, we were all young and stupid and flaming cocktails look cool. Yeah, well, and if you're at a house party where people are fire twirling and literally fire breathing, mm. what's a flaming cocktail in the mix, really? Right? <laughs> I mean, there's fire around anyway. Um it's so long ago, I don't even remember what it was, but there was uh, there was chartreuse in it. I remember that much. And the glasses were hot from the flame. Mm, and it, it was a shooter, I imagine? No. No? Oh, it was an actual cocktail cocktail. Yeah. I, I got to figure it would have contained either 
It's probably had a layer of Bacardi. Yeah, I've got to figure there was some 151 in there, mm. yeah. Because if you're going to make a flaming cocktail, 151 is a good thing to make it with. Yeah. And so, like, it, most people, most bartenders and things I've seen have just layered the 151 on top so that, and then they use that to light it. So the the drink itself doesn't have enough alcohol in it to light itself on fire. Yeah, except the the one five one makes the difference. Mm. Yeah. Um, one one of the drinks that I've had before was a, or I've seen before at least, had they they made the cocktail and then they put a lemon slice on top that had been soaked in one five one. Oh. And they lit the and lemon they lit slice. The lemon slice on fire, and and yeah, you just blow that out, and the the lemon caramelizes and like burns slightly, and it adds that extra flavor to the to your drink. That sounds pretty amazing. Hmm. And it, it's basically bruleeing a lemon slice on yeah, your drink. Pretty much. <laughs> I I would drink that drink. Yeah, I I would also drink that. I'm gonna drink. I'm gonna go find it find it out, and we'll. If if I remember, I'll let you know. Let yes. you know how it goes. Yes, very good. So uh, that's that's pretty much time. That's it. So that's the end is, of part two. Yeah, this is the end of uh, part two. Thank you for uh, staying with us through this cocktail journey. It's been a journey. It it, it has. And uh, we we recorded this all at once, and I think we're about six six cocktails in. Yeah. It's it's been a marathon, both drinks wise and podcasting wise. Yes, indeed. We hope you didn't feel like it was a marathon. Yes, because we if, appreciate every single one of you. Yeah, and if if you listened to to both parts back to back, good on you. Yeah. But uh, if you listen to them a, a week apart, we don't blame you. <laughs> mm. And uh, well, we're releasing these a week apart. We are releasing them a week apart. We're yeah, we'd like you to listen to them as they come out. Hmm. We'd like you to get your friends to listen to them as they come out. We'd like you to subscribe to us on iTunes. We we would. So you can listen to them when they come out. Yeah, and uh, subscribe <laughs> to us on Podbean if uh, if you feel like it. Yeah, or uh, follow us on Facebook, like us on Facebook even, uh, so you can find out when we release these podcasts so you can listen to them when they come out. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know, go to a gooddrop.com and you can uh, follow us there as well. Yeah, gooddrop.com.au. .au, very mm. importantly, .com.au. Some uh, domain sitter has already got a gooddrop.com and wants a couple of thousand dollars for it. And we, we're not willing to We do gave that. him the finger and told him to told him good day, sir. Yes, we said, well, we're in Australia anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. That's all the plugs. Uh, that's the end of my drink. Yeah, so be sure to tune in next time when we talk about cachaça. Such a strange-sounding word. Cachaça. It is, but it is uh, the national drink of Brazil. So uh, fantastic! I'm yeah, keen. We should we should be able to uh, give the listeners a lot of history on cachaça, and uh, we already we mentioned cocktails that contain cachaça. We'll go into more detail on we that. We will probably be drinking one of those next week because it uh, it all sounds <laughs> pretty nice. Mm. So uh, until next time, yeah. Until next time, cheers. cheers.